0: Wow, welcome again to New Hope Church. This is the second of our I Was Wondering series yeah. with Pastor Sheldon where we get to um, and ask, uh, ask, I'm just here to, which i no, pretty good at, yeah, but, I can um, do this.
1: If, you're, if you are new, <laughs> we do want to let you know that this is a, a special series that we're doing. Uh, someone asked me, is this what we do every Wednesday? And this is not what we do every Wednesday. We're just doing a special series for the questions that you may have had. And that you wrote down, turned in, emailed, and however else they brought it in. So if you're new tonight, we welcome you uh, to our Wednesday night evening service. And as Pastor Pauline was saying, we do look at this night as our uh, equip and disciple night, which means it's different than Sunday morning. So if you come on a Sunday morning and you come on a Wednesday night, you're going to see a major difference. And the reason for that is Sunday is geared for those people who are coming to know Christ In other words, we partner with you in your attempts to reach your family and friends so you can invite them on Sunday mornings. Wednesday night is more for the believers, that we get to dig deeper, we get to grow in our relationship with the Lord, we get to uh, learn and grow together in that kind of way. And you can still do that on Sunday morning. Uh, Some of you work on Sundays, so you call Wednesday night your uh, church time, or that's when you attend church, and that's fine. So I'm just giving you the difference between Sunday and Wednesday. There is a purpose for uh, both nights.
0: Thank you for that. Yeah, that
1: was it. So. Did,
0: was that in the questions over that here? That was no. my question. My question was, why are we here? Now, last week, we ended with a question about um, how do we get someone to come and serve, and how do we get them to stay, and that was a really good question to end with, because we have our SALT conference that is happening this Friday. It's in two days. That's yep. just two days away.
1: Yes, two Oh, days. my goodness. It's good, though. I'm
0: excited. I hope you are. I'm excited, because we get to meet with our other fellow churches here on the big island yes there are four square churches and glean off of each other and, kind and of...
1: one in maui and so one Pastor in maui Duane, he pastors a church in maui and new hope in maui so he'll be here too uh, so the way it works is we have different churches around the state of hawaii and around the world but we're a part of in our denomination the pacific southwest district and then we have different divisions we are the big island and maui division so we are all coming together for Friday and Saturday. So all the different churches on the Big Island and Maui. And not all of
0: the churches are able to take time off or go and fly to other conferences. And so your home church, this church right here, um, decided to be the host for this and kind of be the hub and gather everybody together, and then we all serve and learn together. Isn't that amazing? Yes. I love that. So
1: all the pastors will be here, uh, Pastor Scott, Pastor Charlie, Pastor Steve, Pastor Makana on Kona side. I, I don't want to name them all because I might forget one and then I'm going to get an email. Yeah, so I'm that's just gonna, true. And the rest of them, all that. the other <laughs> pastors. And they're all here. fabulous. They're yeah, all yeah, fabulous. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, so, and it's, you still have time to sign up. You know, don't feel like, oh, I missed it. It's already in two days. You still have time to sign up if you want to come. And our worship night is that Friday night. And that is open even if you don't come to the conference. It's at 630, and you can come to that one. That's open to everyone. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Shall we get started yes. on our questions? We got to, because we, uh, we I have a lot of questions. You I mean, guys yes. asked a lot of questions. And these questions. are good questions. Yes.
1: So I, what, what we might need to do also is, because I've been finding that when I, when there's an answer to a question, there's another question for the answer that can be asked. So we're going to try to stick to the essentials and you you will probably have a question after that. The the best thing I can do is if you find yourself asking another question in your head, write it down and then do your devotions. Get into the Word of God because He will answer it for you. He will definitely answer it for you. Find it in the Word of God. That's the best place to find it. And if you find areas in the Bible that says, wait a minute, it says this, but that doesn't make sense to uh, this, what happened in this chapter. Keep reading the Bible because you're going to find that everything lines up together. That's why we do our devotions, and we go through a yearly tab so that we can go through the entire Bible in one year. And sometimes you miss some things. You won't understand some things. That's okay. Keep reading it year after year. Heidi and I was just talking about this, that sometimes you, you catch something five years later. Then it starts to make sense. For some of us, 15 years later. Some never going to make sense. But when you come to see God face-to-face one day in heaven... Everything will make sense. Uh-huh. So, as, yeah, it's as me like, aha! <laughs> One day we'll get it all together, but for now, maybe we might just get bite-sized um, chunks. Okay. Okay, let's go.
0: Our question, what yes. does the Bible say about how the devil became the devil?
1: <laughs> let's, let's see what the Bible says. So, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, verses 11 through 19, and Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, are the two major passages when it refers to Satan himself. So in Ezekiel 28, verse 11, it says that the word of the Lord came to me, who is Ezekiel, the prophet, son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre, uh, Tyre, uh, the king of Tyre, and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. So some people refer to this and say, but isn't isn't Ezekiel talking about the king of Tyre, the king of that land? Well, no, because that king was not in Eden, the Garden of God, when God first created the, the earth. Uh, he had the Garden of Eden; that's where he had Adam and Eve there. So every precious stone, you, uh, every precious stone adorned you: carnelian, chrysolite, and emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways. So he's not talking about a man. He's talking about something greater than a man. Until wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. So he wasn't on earth, the devil, Satan, wasn't on earth, so he was thrown to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings by your many sins and dishonest trade you have des- desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you and it consumed you. And I reduced you to ashes on the ground. In the sight of all who are watching, all the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. So the devil was once part of the kingdom of God, but because sin was found in his heart, in other words, he chose to rebel against God, he was now separated from God, and God threw him to the earth, yet he still could go before God, as you read in the book of Job, that Satan went before God and started talking about his servant Job, and, you know, you can read the book of Job, lest I go astray and talk about other things. Okay, Isaiah chapter 14 uh, refers to the devil also, or Satan, and it reads this in verse 12, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn, So in the Bible refers to him as morning star, let's not confuse it with Jesus, the bright and morning star. Uh, Some people wonder, why is Jesus called the morning star and the devil called the morning star? Jesus is not called the morning star. He's called the bright and morning star. In other words, the bright and morning star is greater than the morning star. The morning star can only imitate the bright and morning star. So just a side note again. So you said in your heart, You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. In other words, Satan had pride and he wanted to be above God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Lord most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. So when Satan rebelled against God, God threw him to the earth, and one-third of the angels went with him. They chose to rebel against God. So yes, there are demons. Yes, there is Satan. Yes, they are real. They don't show up like how we normally think, like in spooky movies. We watch movies, and we get scared. It's like, oh, demons. It, it's every, Everywhere, the devil shows up differently. Because he's crafty, he knows how we are as human beings. He, he knows us because he is also an eternal being. So he may not, Satan may not know you personally because he's one being, but there are demons that may know you. So they may, they'll study us, they'll watch us, wait for the weak points, wait for the opportune time, and then come in. But thanks be to God that Jesus came, destroyed the works of the devil, and now he's under our feet, so now we are victorious in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. okay next question okay
0: i feel like you need a handkerchief or something up here okay this is a personal question okay does god really have a soulmate for us why do some people meet them sooner than
1: others so biblically there's not a term that says soulmate that you need to pray for a soulmate Uh, but soulmate actually became more widespread when people were having a difficult time in a relationship they're saying why isn't this working So that word soulmate came to the place of there is someone who is perfect for you. That's the thought. Someone is perfect for you. So it gave them reason to break up. Gave them reason to leave their marriage because you're not my soulmate. If you were, everything would work out perfect. But because it's not working out perfect, you're not my soulmate. So it's not on me. It's on the fact that we're not soulmates. So they would break up. Now, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Sorry. I'm not making fun of it, but... The, the term soulmate means that every person, for every person, there is another person who is a perfect fit. And if you marry anyone other than your soulmate, the thought is, you will never be happy. So, here's the thought. And I'll just use myself as an example. When Heidi and I first met, I was 12 and she was 13. We fell in love. <laughs> so, soulmates. <laughs> it was, we were soulmates. Um, <laughs> We, we used to sew together. <laughs> so when we... Uh... <laughs> Thanks, I can't. But when we, when we got together, we found out that we both had flaws. We, we both... We weren't perfect. So we needed, we needed a perfect God to help us with our imperfections so he could perfect our relationship because we are so broken as human beings. So I just look at it as we're we're not soul mates. We're mates who have a soul that is in desperate need of fixing, and only the perfect God can do that. So Heidi and I are not always happy. Most of the time, I'd say ninety like germs, ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Happy. There are some times where it's like kind of nuts, you know, kind of crazy. <laughs> so, but the Bible tells us this in Genesis two twenty one. I gotta stay on track. Genesis 2, 21 through 24. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then, I was going to say a joke, but anyway. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. So we are more mates with souls than soul mates because of our imperfections and opposite complementary qualities. And so the other question was, why do some people meet them sooner than others, right? So sometimes in a relationship, which this is such a good question, sometimes in a relationship, you just don't click. You know, there's just, there's not a, there's no chemistry there. There's, you just don't click. So that's when you ask yourself, then how much of myself am I giving to this person? Because if, if it's just not working uh, relationally, how much am I going to give to this person? That's why we always say save yourself for marriage when it comes to sex. Because when you give yourself to another person through sex outside of marriage, then you are connecting your soul. God saved sex for marriage because there's a soul connection. So if it's outside of marriage and you've given yourself over, there's, there, there comes with it a lot of complexities or complications because here's this person with this soul and you with this soul and who knows who they've been with or you've been with and you bring all of those souls together and all those problems together, then you're gonna understand, boy. Yeah, we're not soulmates because we're doing it backwards. We need to we need to listen to what God is saying and function and live our life in the way He asked us to. Because the way He calls us to live is the best way. His way is always the best way. So sometimes we're trying to find the right person instead of becoming one. Ouch. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Ouch. That's just. Who asked
0: that question? I don't know. Ow. That's just. Need some band-aids okay. <laughs> tonight. Uh, we do. Thanks for ripping off the band No, I, that but that's one. true. Right. So if,
1: when you become the right that's person, true. and when Jesus is your security, you never find it in somebody else.
0: And that's true. And you won't need to. My husband and I—we always talk about it. You know, without God in our marriage, we don't know how right. well we'd be doing. You oh know no, right? because no, I, we're both absolutely. Each our own person. Yeah. And so, <laughs> stop it. And yeah. so, no, I'm, I'm we, just saying this it's true. We know that. Oh man, if not. A lot of times, I'm like, you're lucky I know Jesus. (laughs) You're lucky I know Jesus. Yeah. You know, but anyway. Right. So, thank you, God. I think
1: he's saying that to us. You are (laughs) blessed that you know me. We are. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what he's saying. Okay, our next question. Yes. About praise and worship. Okay. Why do we praise, sing, and worship Jesus, whenever we sing thank you, Jesus, praise Jesus, and not his father, God? Is it true that Jesus' is father, our king, and God, is Jesus not the son of God? Right. Is it true that Jesus' Father is our King and God, yes. so is Jesus not the Son of God?
1: Yeah, so God is the Father, and then there's Jesus the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit, who we call the Comforter, or the, the, the one that um, helps us. He's the helper. So they are three in one. So we sing, God, you are greater. God, you are stronger. God, you are higher than any other. That's that, that worship song. Or what we sang tonight, what a wonderful name it is, the name, above, uh, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. So when we say jesus christ my king the reason why we call him our king is because he's the king of the kingdom of god the only way you're a king is when you have a kingdom so jesus is the king of the kingdom of god or the kingdom of heaven and holy spirit or we'll sing a song holy spirit you are welcome to here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere it's like holy spirit we need you in fact jesus said unless i leave the helper will not come jesus was singular here on this earth when he was walking as a man So in order for us as believers to receive his spirit, he needed to leave so the Holy Spirit could come, which the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once. So now the Holy Spirit can dwell in us. And so now we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So yes, when we worship, we'll worship the different attributes of God, but still the same person. So I we try to break it up to understand it this way, that God is the intellect part of the Godhead, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's the intellectual part. He's the one that does the thinking part. And then Jesus is the one that carries out the will of God. So Jesus is more the the emotions of God. When Jesus came to this earth, he was filled with the love of God, the compassion of God, or the, 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 the forgiveness of God, the grace of God. We could see God's love in action from a from a human standpoint, we could physically see Jesus, all God, yet all man, so that we could understand who God is in emotional form. That's why when uh, Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, the Bible says, which is the shortest scripture in the Bible, John 13, 35, Jesus wept. Why? Because that's the emotional side of God. So we could see that God could love, but Jesus also got angry. He got angry at sin. He got angry with the, those, the money changers at the temple. So, we could see God's anger in motion also. So, we could see the emotional side of God. And the Holy Spirit is the one that actually carries out the will, or he empowers us to carry out the will of God. So, you have those attributes, and maybe I can draw it like this. So, you have this is God, Son. So, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So, God is the intellect. And Jesus is the emotions, and then the Holy Spirit is the one that carries out the will of God. So when God said, and if you read in the book of Revelations, who will, who will go to the earth? There was no one to be found except Jesus. But the Holy Spirit empowered so that he could do the will of God. Then he came to this earth, and remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was just about to go to the cross, he prayed the prayer. Father, if it is possible, can this cup be taken from me, but not my will, your will. In other words, he's struggling emotionally. This is a difficult thing to do. He's going to die for the sins of the world as as someone who has no sin in him. He's going to experience all the sins of the world. He who had no sin became sin so that we who have sin would know what it's like to be with God the Father and be cleansed from our sins. So he took our place, but that was his emotion, God's emotion in the Garden of Gethsemane. But he asked for the will of God, the Holy Spirit, to empower him because what he was about to do, it was, it was changing history. It was, it was changing eternity. So it's not like some decisions we make. This was a major, the, the most important decision in the history of man. It was Jesus making the decision to go to the cross because that was God experiencing what he never experienced, which was sin. And Jesus experienced separation from God because that's what sin is. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, have always been in relationship. This was the very first time that they wouldn't be. It was on the cross. That's why Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because he needed to experience what sin was, which is separation from God. That was the worst point of Christ's life. Yes, the death on the cross, painful, but it was separation from his father. He didn't say, this hurts. He said, why have you forsaken me? Because he needed to experience sin.
0: And that's why we praise Jesus. That's why we praise Jesus, yes. Amen? Yes, yes. Wow. Thank you for for explaining that. That's really awesome. Yeah. Okay, another um, personal question. Okay. And this was an email sent directly to me, and it was, it says, I was wondering where New Hope Hilo Church stands on the issue of same-sex marriage.
1: Okay. Are we going to read the whole thing or are we going to go bit by bit? Because this one was a long one, yeah? Oh, yeah.
0: It, it was, okay. We'll read it in
1: its context so that you can get the understanding, the full scope of what was being asked. Can we, can we do that? It goes kind of, just read all the, is it easier okay. to?
0: yeah. Because I just, okay. Uh, same-sex marriage
1: you want me to read it i
0: know it's all broken up because i have
1: okay yeah i'll I'll read it okay so uh and then it continues
0: i had one job and i can't even do
1: this okay you're (laughs) fine so and then it continues and it says i know and understand what the bible has to say about same-sex marriage in dealing with this issue how does new hope Hilo church interact with same-sex couples that regularly attend weekly services Does the church put everyone in a general sinner's pool that views sin as sin, lying, cheating, lust, homosexuality, etc.? If this is the viewpoint, our sermons and lessons taught at the church aimed at teaching us how to overcome those sins and what the Bible has to say about overcoming those sins in our lives. I know that in dealing with sin, that I need to address the sin in my own life first before I am in any position to confront others about the sin in their life. And they're referring to Matthew 7, 5. On the other hand, I know that if I really do love my neighbor, that I should not be afraid to confront someone about a sin in their life. And they put John, uh, 1 John 4, 18. Confrontation has such a strong connotation and can come across as being legalistic, but it needs to be done with the right intentions and love. So you can tell this person's heart is, is very genuine and trying to you know, figure out how how to, yeah, and how to understand. Uh, Having explained that, how does the leadership at New Hope Church confront same-sex marriage at the church? Does New Hope Hilo Church have a perfect love for those in a same-sex relationship to confront them about how they are living in sin? Or does New Hope Hilo Church accept everyone for who they are and in doing so, hope that the love of Christ will permeate from those within the church to those living in sin, hoping that they come to their own understanding of how they are living in sin and how they can overcome that sin by the grace of God. So that's the question. So we'll break it up in pieces. And I think they were trying to just bring understanding, which right, right. I really do appreciate the question. And it is, it is one of those tough questions because in I can tell you what the Bible says. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 24, and I read it earlier, that the Lord God made woman from the rib and brought to her, and oh, and he brought to her the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So the Bible says a man and woman are joined together and united into one. So that's the first question. That's where we stand on the issue of marriage. The second question, or the question after that was, I know and understand what the Bible has to say about same-sex marriage. In dealing with this issue, how does New Hope Heal Church interact with same-sex couples that regularly attend weekly services? So I can give you what I personally do. And this may not be what everybody does, but this is what I personally do, and this is my heart. Uh, So what I do is I personally try to build my relationship with anyone it doesn't matter what lifestyle they have what sin they may be involved in if they're far from god if they know god if they don't know god if they're buddhist if they're mormon to me it doesn't matter because i look at people for who they are they're people so if i can see a person then i don't need to know every other thing because unless i build my relationship with them how in the world can i get to know them in order to know how to help them so that's just me personally and I pray that we do the same, irregardless of sin or their lifestyle. So the other question was, does the church put everyone in a general sinner's pool? And I did the quotes because they had the quotes on it, uh, the general sinner's pool, that views sin as sin, which they just listed lying, cheating, lust, homosexuality, etc. So, and I think I may have answered that. Um, no, I, I don't see them in a general sinner's pool. I see people as people. Uh, that, because that's how Jesus saw people. He didn't see people as individuals, In certain categories of sin he saw people as people so he could love them as people and he could die for our sins not just specific sins he could die for people because of sin and so i can only speak for myself not the entire church because i know the question is where does new hope church uh, stand Uh, that's where i stand I'm not sure if everyone stands in that position as the church, because the church is all of us. It's not just one individual person. And we have different opinions in the church. However, if we want to be accurate, then we have to go back to the Bible and how Jesus did it. Um, I looked at it this way. I try to study the life of Christ to see how I can love people, how Jesus did. So this came to my mind, these three people. And you might know them, Judas Iscariot, uh, Peter which was one of Christ's disciples, and Matthew, who was a tax collector. So watch what Jesus does. Judas Iscariot was a thief. Jesus calls him to be one of his disciples. Guess what Jesus asks Judas to be responsible for? The money. Jesus asks a thief to be in charge of the money. Why would Jesus tell a thief to be in charge of the money? None of us would do that. In fact, when there's a thief, we stay far from them. We hide everything. If someone is stealing something from us in the home, we don't say, can you guard my home, please? No, but Jesus did that. Why? Because in in that situation, and in only that situation, would Judas be able to find revelation from Christ that he is a thief. In other words, Jesus gives us opportunities to have revelation from Him, not necessarily someone to tell us what we're doing that is wrong, lest we live based on performance. Now, it's okay in a relationship, as a loved one, to say, hey, son, daughter, you know, husband, wife, a friend, that you can bring them on the side and say, bro, come on, man, I know you got potential, you're better than that, I know you're trying to you know, do better, talk to me, what's going on? That's in relationship. But if we don't know a person, then it doesn't matter what you say, even though you're right, they are not going to receive it unless Jesus gives them that revelation. And there, there can be more, uh, you know, attached to that. But sometimes we will never see the potential in a person if we only see the problem in a person. We got to be able to see the potential. That's what Jesus did. When he called Peter to follow him, he asked Peter, can you, can you, follow me that's all he said follow me peter followed him now what did peter do in the life of jesus yeah right before jesus goes to the cross when he was arrested what did peter do yeah he betrayed jesus three times three times imagine if your friend one of your inner circle friends betrayed you three times one time in hawaii pow two times lickens Three times, like, no, no can. It's like, there's, there's no, you can't even fathom. Three times, betrayal. You know what Jesus does with Peter when he betrayed him three times? He puts him in charge of building the church which still stands today. Why? Because Jesus sees the potential in people, not their faults or their sins. We've got to be able to see the potential in people. So then it continues. If that is the viewpoint, our sermons and lessons taught at the church aimed at teaching us how to overcome those sins and what the Bible has to say about o- overcoming those sins in our lives. So, correct. That's correct as far as sermons that help us to overcome sins in our life. That is correct. But I teach uh, mainly topical. So, if we're talking about uh, Jesus and forgiveness, it's a topic. Uh, Jesus and treasure, it's a topic. Uh, so, yes, we will address uh, address sin. Uh, I know that in dealing with sin, that I need to address the sin in my own life. So, they're asking. Uh, on the other hand, if I know that I really do love my neighbor that I should not be afraid to confront someone about a sin in their life. And they use 1 John four eighteen, which says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And then it continues in verse 19. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He first loved us. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that what they're saying is, a perfect love for someone will cast out fear. But homosexuality in a person is not a fear, it's a sin. Just as adultery is a sin, lying is a sin, uh, we could name sins all night long, but perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love doesn't cast out all sin. So we could still love someone, but it doesn't mean it's going to cast out uh, the sin uh, and, and I understand too don 't we need to be a loving neighbor to another person? Uh, that word neighbor" was used also when the story of the Good Samaritan was given. Remember Jesus talked about the Good Samaritan and he talked about the one that was uh, beaten and then the priest came over the, the Levite came over and but the good Samaritan came over and helped him. The story of that wasn't jesus wasn 't saying to them that this is what the neighbor would do and how you treat your neighbor he 's saying who are you neighborly to? Who, who are you being neighborly to? In other words, if I am so concerned about a person, my question that I ask myself, I'm not trying to sound you know uh, uh, harsh on this, but I am harsh on myself when it comes to any time I have these thoughts, I ask myself, do I love that person enough to build a relationship with them first? Otherwise, there's another issue. It's not me loving them, it's something else. So I have to ask myself before I confront someone's sin, do I love, and if I'm saying it's out of love, then can I do what Jesus did and love love the person first? Because the Bible does say that Jesus came with grace and truth, and I find it by no mistake that it's in that order. He came with grace, but he also came with truth. We need grace first for people in order for them to receive the truth if we go the other way around and say i need to give you truth i'm coming with grace done deal that's not how jesus did it so it's all through relationship um does new hope church have a perfect love for those in the same-sex relationship it almost sounds like i'm repeating it but i'm trying to give the context so uh does new hope church have a perfect love for those in a same-sex relationship to confront them about how they are living in sin so i I just look at it this way I can only get a perfect love from God. I, I can't humanly manufacture that, and nor can I behave perfectly. So I need God's perfect love, but it's, it's His perfect love mixed with an imperfect person trying to love like Jesus. So that's me personally. I'm not sure about the rest of the church or the rest of everyone here tonight. So And then to answer the other question, yes, we do accept you for who you are as, uh, as well as we want to lead people to Jesus because in order for you to overcome any sin, you need Jesus for that. And the question was, do we accept everyone for who they are, or we wait for them to come to their own understanding, hoping that they can overcome um, sin by God's grace. But yes, we do accept everybody for who they are, as well as lead them to Jesus. Hopefully that, was that okay? Yeah, that
0: that explained a lot, because there's another question to that, um, okay. It says, I have been wondering what the Foursquare church and Pastor Sheldon's views, stances on same-sex marriage and homosexuality are in the church. Okay, so these now are two about different four questions. Okay.
1: So I can give you our four-square bylaws, and it says, to evangelize the community, strive for the salvation of souls, edify the church, and build up Christian life throughout the church by preaching, teaching, conducting services, and administrating ordinances, including marriage, only between a man and a woman. So that's, that's what Foursquare. square that's where it stands. Otherwise, we, gotta, we have to list every sin, right? I mean, if, if we're going to categorize sins, that will, that's what happened with the law. That's why Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And he said, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do this with love because love never fails. And we're, we're, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 uh, gives us the clear definition of what love is, if you wanted to write that down.
0: And Again. then it goes on to say, how do you address this situation in the church and to the members or churchgoers, or do you not address it and just love them to Christ?
1: So I'll weave in sins, if we're talking about sin, I'll weave in sin in messages. So we don't give a specific topic like, today we're going to talk about adultery, because we're a church that is reaching out to people who are far from God. So we cannot expect an unbeliever to behave like a believer. So that's why we have Sunday mornings the way it is. That's our mission. Our mission is to reach people far from God, one relationship at a time. So what we do is we give a a message or a sermon or something. Of course, it's biblical. And then what we do is we'll weave in certain sins. So I'll say something uh, like, we as humans fall prey to adultery, fornication, lying, pornography. And then I'll say something like, what area of sin are you dealing with that you need to bring to God? And that you need to run to God to overcome this area of your life with him. So we'll say something like that. And then we'll give steps, practical steps. You know, ask for forgiveness. uh, Get counseling or get in the word of God. Build relationship with uh, people who love God. You know, things like that. So we'll weave it in through scriptures. And we'll weave it in through our messages in how we uh, address certain things.
0: Do we continue on this? or Because we have like...
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I think we addressed it okay. because there, I, okay. I can see why. There are other questions that go into it. Um, but I, I can summarize the question because that is a long question. And they were asking again about certain sins. Uh, specifically, I also know there are gay Christians that understand that it's wrong to choose uh, not to pursue that lifestyle. But ultimately, I would like to know where New Hope stands on this issue. Does the church believe in confronting the issue in its church family? be it in a service or personally. No, because we would have a hard time addressing every single person's sin. That would be the the hardest thing to do. It's addressing everybody's sin in service, uh, even on a personal level. That's why it has to be relationship. So it's not the pastor who's responsible to build relationship with everyone. It's the church responsibility to build relationship with Jesus so that we can go into the world and love people to Jesus, lest they see us hypocritical judging one another lest they don't even want to be around Christ or Christians because why would they want to right. they're getting that in the world right. we have the only thing that will work in this world when it comes to relationship and it's the love of God no one else has that no one else people don't turn to the church turn to the church unless they see the love of God but they will turn away from it when they don't That's it's right. just that simple
0: all right move on to the next question Sure. Okay. Winding it down. How can I... This is about forgiveness. How can I forgive friends that keep hurting me?
1: Okay, so... Oh, how do I... Okay, how can I forgive friends that keep hurting me? So only through remembering how much Jesus forgave you because you cannot forgive unless you first understand how much you've been forgiven. Like in Luke chapter 7, verse 47, Jesus addressed the sinful woman and he says, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. And how, does, how do we know? She has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. So the question, how can I forgive friends that keep hurting me? Uh, well, I addressed that part, the forgiveness part. But you might need to change your friends. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean or say leave them now. But, I mean, if, if they continuously hurt me, then they may not be my friends. You're my friend, you don't hurt me. Well, the time you went, hey. get ice cream, that was kind of hurtful, but I other know, than that, you
0: wasn't there. You I know, I know but okay. you're
1: forgiven. Okay, but if thank you, you, you keep doing you that, spitefully See, how it works? yeah. that was just an example. <laughs> but if, if someone keeps hurting you over and over, then you, you might need to find new friends, because there are going to be friends who love you, not hurt you.
0: OK. that's good.:
1: On the other hand, you may need to change too. Hurry up! Continue.
0: Okay. Yeah, go ahead. This is about fellowship, because we you hear that we always talk about fellowship hall. Let's fellowship together. So the question is, what does fellowship really mean? Is it just getting together slash meeting together, as in Hebrews ten twenty five?
1: Okay. So there are some scripture that came with it. How Jesus prayed that we would all become one. Uh, so there are scripture that comes with it, and then maybe about seven other scriptures. That I can give to you if you wanted to write them down, it's John 17:20 20 through 26, Hebrews 10:25. I'm gonna go kind of fast. I'm sorry. First Corinthians, and you can watch the video later. First Corinthians 1 verse 9, First Corinthians 5 verse 2, Second Corinthians 6:14, Second Corinthians 13:14. You know, I'll read it and then we can get to the scripture. So, the what was the question? Fellowship, fellowship. fellowship. So, what does it really mean? So, Paul actually, call, Paul the apostle, actually calls us to be like-minded. So, the question is, what are the parameters and process about fellowship? Because some verses use the word koinonia, which means fellowship. So, most of the scriptures in the New Testament uses the word koinonia when it comes to fellowship which the root word is fellowship or association or community or communion, joint participation. It even means intercourse. So when it comes to sex, they use that word koinonia too. So it doesn't mean, well, anyway. Um, So it's derived from the word. It actually means with. That's what koinonia comes from. It means with. So the scriptures that I gave to you, It means when it says God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, that means you're with Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 5.2, it's not the word koinonia when the word fellowship is used. That word fellowship is used to mean in the midst or that you're among other people, that you're in fellowship. But in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it talks about believers and unbelievers, righteous and unrighteous, darkness and light, so the word koinonia is that is in there, that you should have no fellowship with unbelievers or darkness or unrighteousness because it's saying there is no connection relationally between the two. You, you can't be with. Darkness cannot be with light. It cannot coexist together. So those scriptures give uh, our koinonia, the fellowship. In Galatians 2.9, they use the word fellowship but it's, it means the right hand as a sign and pledge of fellowship in fulfilling the apostolic office. And that's what happened with Paul and Barnabas. They were, they were given that office of fellowship. In other words, almost like on Scouts Honor kind of thing, that you now have the ministry to do fellowship, to, to go out. It's like when we uh, stretch a hand forward when we prayed over Pastor Tom on Sunday. We're commissioning him saying, we, we agree and so now you're, this is the pledge of fellowship, uh, knowing that you're going to do something uh, for God that's going to have people come to know God. That's the apostolic office. It's helping people find Christ. Uh, so that word fellowship is very unique because you can be at home with your family, but you're not with your family. You're in fellowship with your family, but you're not with your family. So you're, you're not directly in relationship connection with them so you or you may be shopping at the mall you're with a lot of people but it doesn't mean you're in fellowship so i just summed it up that fellowship is not closeness of proximity it is connecting relationally there's a specific reason for fellowship that's why we call it the fellowship hall so that we can connect with people relationally sit on a table by the way the tables that we've been making Uh, we're redoing our tables because we want to bring people closer. So if you notice the tables that uh, are out there, the wooden tables with a nice, clean shine to it, uh, brings you closer. And then the white tables, we're uh, not going to be having those in the fellowship hall. Why? Because we want to turn it into a more fellowship hall so that we can be more intimate with our families, closer to our children, and closer with one another. So that's the heart and vision behind our fellowship hall.
0: Okay. okay. Well, thank you for that. I think we're. No, we can go. Okay. I mean, if you, if you
1: need to leave, you can you can you can be dismissed. Okay. Then. But this is good stuff. We gotta.
0: All right. How can we, leading in love and truth, reach out with welcome and share God's message of both freedom from sin and the absolute covering, renewing, empowering love He offers as we meet people and the topic of homosexuality, other sexual unhealth, porn, abortion, things like that.
1: Okay. So one thing we gotta remember is. Church is not a courtroom, it's a hospital. It's a major difference. So in a hospital, there are sick people with various different needs. Some, they need emergency room. That's, that's, that, those are the people that we call it rock bottom. Like when we hit rock bottom, we come to the hospital, church, and we are in emergency mode. We are bleeding out. And so we cry out to the Lord. And then there are some of us who we just stub a toe, made some mistakes, but we still go to the hospital, the church. Why? Because we need the grace of God. So that's the difference. And unless people's sins are revealed to them, then there is no, uh, there, there is no change and there is no grace from God. There is a, um, and God does give us grace, but if we don't receive it, he can keep giving it. We just got to receive it. There is a a place where Jesus went to his own hometown, and he could not perform many miracles there because of the lack of their faith. They were skeptical, and they were saying, who is this? We know his mom. We know his... So they, they had certain key things against Christ, and they took offense to Christ. So no miracles could happen. So when we take on an offense, we stop all miracles. So I I don't know how I tied that in, but I just thought yeah. Okay.
0: Well you're Pastor Sheldon, you can just do that. Okay. okay. Can you describe the New Testament, New Testament Sabbath?
1: Okay, so in the book of Mark, chapter two, verse twenty-seven, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So it is not the day necessarily that is important. It is what the Sabbath is for, which is to rest in the Lord. So your Sabbath can be whatever day you choose. And for myself, uh, my Sabbath was this past Sunday. So I'll turn off my phone, and I'll, I'll, I'll do other things other than what I normally do, which is my normal work, which is ministry. So I might read a book. I might go outside. I have a rock on the outside of my house. And to me, that's my prayer rock and I'll sit out there, and my dog will come out with me, so he'll kind of hang out by me, and I'll just talk story with God, and I'll just spend that time with God, do my devotions, or whatever I need to do, but it's my day with the Lord. He made that day for me. The first day when God created Adam and Eve, the first day was a Sabbath with God. The sixth day, God created man. On the seventh day, God rested. Imagine, the first day for us human beings was resting with God. And then the work began. We cannot be effective if we don't rest in God.
0: Amen. Amen. I like that. Okay. I understand that divorce is not an option, but what if you went to counseling to save your marriage and later on you notice yourself going down the same cycle, your spouse gets distracted and ends up seeing other people. Why is it so hard to love Jesus and to get that love in return?
1: So, first of all, Jesus to love feels like your Jesus loves. Yeah, Sorry. to love that Jesus loves. First of all, Jesus does feel your pain. And he does love us, but not everyone loves him in return. So you may love your spouse, they may not love you in return. Jesus understands. Because people do that to him too. But Romans 12 17 does tell us to repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, you be at peace with all men or live peaceably with all men. So the question is, and you might say yes to this, are you doing everything possible? And if you are doing everything possible, then, then if they are choosing not to be with you, continue to pray for them that they might find Jesus. And then you live pe- peaceably with everyone. In other words, don't let their shortcomings... And their failures ruin your long-term spiritual walk with Christ. Don't let their short-term or their shortcomings ruin your long-term potential. I don't know if that answered. Amen. I was trying to be short. No, okay. Okay. I
0: understand. Do you think the rapture will be in
1: 2017? Nope. Well, actually, I'm not sure. Because I never focus on the rapture, I focus on Jesus. Okay. Because he already said no one knows the day or the hour, so I don't even bother with that. Waste time, waste energy. When he comes back, praise the Lord. Right. So I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to waste time trying to guess.
0: Okay. Every time I think I'm taking a step forward, I get kicked back two steps. Then I ask why.
1: I, I would ask the question... Um, Are you, are you taking a step in, the, in God's direction? Because if, if I'm taking a step in any direction other than God, God might be kicking me back two steps. So God loves us that much. So the question is, am I, am I taking steps forward towards God, or is it myself? If you are taking steps forward towards God, we got to remember there is an adversary. There is an enemy. So... Get before the Lord, pray to Him, get on your knees, and plead with God that He would be your strength. Every morning I pray the prayer of Ephesians, the armor of God, and I put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that I can withstand the enemy. But He also gave me the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I must be in the Word of God. If I ever find myself taking a step forward and taking two steps back, but I'm in the Word of God... He carries me five steps forward. Easily. He's just that good. Amen. Amen.
0: How often should I fast? Is there a step that I should follow?
1: So when it comes to fasting and prayer, as often as the Lord tells you, within the context of your spiritual and and physical health. So whenever you do a fasting, make sure physically you're okay to do that. Check with your doctors because you want to make sure that your your, uh, levels are correct. Everything is good. There is a book from Elmer Towns called Fasting for Spiritual Breakthrough, A Guide to Nine Biblical Fasts, which was probably one of the best books that I've read about fasting. Uh, But some practical steps that you can do, one, be in the Word, doing devotions, journaling, getting into the Word of God, pray, and then obey the Lord. Those are just practical things. It's not complicated. It's very simple. And this is what God called us who God called us to be. This is who we are. We're people who are in the word, people who pray with him, and people who obey him.
0: Okay. Last question is, I understand that when you're married, it's through better or worse, but how many times do you forgive your spouse for consistent cheating? Why do my relationships always fail?
1: That's, that's so hard because I can, I can hear the pain in that because you can almost feel like a failure. But I don't know why you feel like you always fail. I, I can't answer that, but I do know that you forgiving a person over and over doesn't necessarily mean you're solving the problem. You're just forgiving them over and over. There's another issue there. In, in other words, if let's just say if Kat were to slap me in my face, and she says, I'm so sorry, can you forgive me? I said, absolutely. She slaps me again and says, I'm so sorry, can you forgive me? I can say that over and over. The problem is not me forgiving her. The problem is stop slapping my face. <laughs> the, the, so, so we have to address the problem. The problem is not the forgiveness. The problem is there's another issue there that's causing the cheating. There's something else there. There's something missing, and it probably is God that the person needs Jesus. I would also might suggest counseling, yeah, to get things together.
0: And when all is said and done, through all these questions, if you've noticed, it's always coming back to being in your word.
1: You yes. know,
0: seeking out God, God first, being, you know, just reading the Bible and everything. And, and I love that you guys took the time to, to ask these questions. There were some tough questions, but we appreciated all the questions because not only you thought of it, that one person thought of it. There's multiply that, you know, there's a lot of other people that are thinking about it as well. Yes. And then um, next week, Wednesday, Pastor Ben will be speaking, and mm-hmm. he's going to attack some of our younger questions. Now, we asked your children about what kind of questions they would have about God or the Bible or anything like that, and they sent me a stack of questions. Yeah, it's and good. And so can I just give you one real yes. quick?
1: Yes, and I need to, I need to um, finalize with this one because I missed this, and this oh, was okay. key. okay, okay. But I'll, I'll do this first because... The question was, uh, in, in one of the questions that Jesus continuously, uh, he hung out with sinners, and he always confronted an issue or has a point to make, in love, of course. Uh, the person is just confused on the church's practice regarding the issue. But whenever Jesus, whenever you read that Jesus confronted a sin, the key distinction between recognizing someone's behavior that's ungodly and passing judgment on others was the posture of the heart. There was a difference. And Jesus, as, as far as I can remember, I couldn't find where Jesus confronted someone's sin, that he walked up to someone and confronted their sin. I do remember the rich young ruler, where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, you must follow the commandments. He said, I follow them all. He says, but there's one thing you still lack. He says, well, what is it? Sell all your possessions and then give that to the poor. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler left sad because he had many possessions. And Jesus said, how, how hard it is for the rich to enter in the kingdom of God because they had so much and wasn't willing to give it up. So I, he, he kind of confronted that in that kind of way, or even the, the, the sinful woman, uh, when, when the condemners, those who were the men around there, threw this adulterous woman at the feet of Jesus, and they said, Jesus, the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? So Jesus wasn't confronting her sin. He actually confronted theirs. He said, he who is without sin, you cast the first stone. So what Jesus does is he doesn't confront sin. He does reveal it. But he doesn't confront it. He comes with grace first. And then remember what he did to the woman. He didn't confront her sin. He first came with grace. And he says, hey, woman, where, where are your condemners? And she said, they're not here. And he says, and neither do I condemn you. When everyone was waiting for Jesus to confront her sin, he said, neither do I condemn you. But then he did bring her truth after she was able to receive his love and grace. And he says, now go and sin no more. He does it with grace. He doesn't confront sin. He actually demolishes sin and loves us with grace and truth. In that order.
0: Yes. Okay, so what was the question? Okay, that was, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So our kids asked some question, and our relentless teenagers are also going to be asking some questions of Pastor okay. Ben, and he's going to confront a lot That's of— There's like 80 questions. Yeah. I know, I have a stack. And <laughs> but there are a lot of realize, yes and no but in there. But there's some really cute questions, and they, yeah. you would not believe your children want to know facts. Like, they want to know facts. Like, okay— how many chapters are in the Bible, Pastor Sheldon?
1: Chapters or books?
0: They said chapters. Well, <laughs> they asked for chapters, books, pages, people. Pages. I mean, they pages asked, will How be many different. people are in the Bible? Choke. How many?
1: Chalk people. Yeah, that's my answer. You're Choke. kids. You're Choke kids. Chalk people. <laughs> that's my answer. Um, chap- uh, books, 66 books. Okay. 39 Old Testament, 27 okay. New Testament. Wow. Written over a time period of 1,400 years by 40 different authors but there are 1,189 chapters. I, li- I have to look it up. <laughs> There's a lot.
0: So that's why I got to okay. read
1: every day. It takes me a year.
0: So make sure that your children, ask them, did you ask, you know, a question about God? Make sure they watch the ending of that so that they kept, they captured all that information right there. Yes. But your kids, they're so adorable and they want to know stuff. So take the time to, to ask your kids, do you have questions? You know, and, and they are very inquisitive. Yes. yes they are.
1: And, and sometimes they'll ask a question and we know that's your child, so we're not going to say who it is and we'll keep it. So now we don't know when we read it. Uh, we knew when we saw it, so we just mixed it up so we wouldn't, yeah, you know. so we wouldn't go, hmm? Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> can we say thank you to Kat? Thank you so much for tonight. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to call out the worship team and we're going to close in prayer and I'm going to dismiss you just due to our time. But thank you for your questions and um, please ask them. They're were, they were such good questions. Uh, if certain things were unsure... Trust me, get into the word of God, get into the Bible. It will help you, it will it'll, it'll, uh, help all of us to know how we can respond to certain questions. And if there are questions that people ask you and you're unsure, um, you can ask us and we, we together can find out. But when it all comes down to it, Kat said it correctly, it all comes down to our relationship with Jesus. That with Christ, all things are possible. And when we have his love, then we're able to do the impossible and love people into the kingdom of God. This world has too much hate. We need God's love to come in to permeate every single area so that the kingdom of darkness will be overtaken by the kingdom of light. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your love, your mercy, your grace, your truth, Lord. Yes, there needs to be truth, but you gave us your grace. Help us to be just like you with people and when we have relationships with people, we have friendships with people, we have... They have given us a voice to speak into their lives. So let us be that kind of people also, Lord, that we don't just brush over sin, but we love people enough to draw them close to you. And as we do so, we're going to see more and more of our potential be released in you because this church, Lord, believes in the potential in one another that you have given to all of us. We pray this in Jesus' name and we all said together, amen. Can we thank the Lord tonight for who he is? He's so good.